Thank you, choir, for that uh, reminder of the only hope that we have in life, which is the Lord and His work in our lives. So uh, this morning we're going to be back in our series on uh, God's purpose and plan for missions. And so today we're going to look at the plan that God has for reaching this world with the gospel. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I mentioned this passage last week as the probably the most famous passage on missions because it is literally known as the Great Commission. And so we're going to look at how God details this plan or how Jesus details this plan for reaching the world through the gospel uh, and and how we as a church here in uh, Georgiana, Alabama can be a part of that missions. And one of the way, ways that we can be a part, and I mentioned this last week, is I'm asking that you would consider in this Christmas season, as we build up to Christmas and, and all that goes with that, that you would consider giving above and beyond your normal tithe, whether that be because of a, a bonus that you got this year that you've been trying to figure out how to tithe, or uh, maybe some extra money that you've earned on the side, whatever it might be, that you would uh, consider giving to the missions effort that we participate in as a Southern Baptist church. Every year, the Southern Baptist Convention puts an emphasis on giving to international missions through what is known as the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And so we as a church, we give a percentage of our budget every year to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. But I'm asking that this year we each consider giving to help for that missions effort. And so if you would, just when you uh, pray about it and ask the Lord how you might give to help, and when you are directed and led to give a certain amount, if you would write a check and make the uh, memo out or the designation out to Lottie Moon, but make the check out itself to Antioch West Baptist Church, then then Miss Cindy will know to uh add that to the the pot that we send off to um, to the Southern Baptist Convention for our uh, Lottie Moon giving. And I want to do that because I believe that our church, and I'll say more about that in the sermon today, I believe that our church ought to be actively involved in the missions efforts of our denomination and of the Christian church at large. And so I, want, I find this just our own Personal giving is a a simple and effective way that we each can be involved in the missions efforts of our church and our denomination. So as you think about that and pray through that, if you would, as we build up to the end of the year, if you would consider giving to Lottie Moon in that way. So I started last week with the beginning of our series on missions by looking at, quite literally, the beginning of missions. And we saw that God had a purpose to save the world through Jesus Christ all the way back starting in Genesis chapter 12. Or really, you could argue starting in Genesis chapter 3, he began to reveal this purpose of how he was going to save the world through one man. And he first started that mission in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham, the father of faith. He promised Abraham that he would bless him and he would make his name great. And most importantly for the topic of missions, that through him all nations of the earth would be blessed. 
And God accomplished that purpose through the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the son of David, the son of Abraham, who came to redeem the world through his death and his resurrection. And through Jesus, all the world is blessed. So this morning, I want us to understand the plan for missions. And to see that plan, let's look at Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18 and reading through the end of that book in verse 20. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, God's word says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today and consider what you are telling us through the commission that you have given us to go into all the world, Lord, may we be motivated by your command to go and to tell. May we be motivated to pray for missions around this world and to give in support of them, but also to be faithful in our own witness and in our own work in this church. Father, that in every way we would see our lives as a mission for the gospel and that we would be faithful in every way to support it. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So there are two things that I want you to see from this passage. First of all, we're going to look at the anchor for missions, and secondly, the actions for missions. So the anchor, anchor for missions and the actions for missions. So first, let's consider the anchor for missions. Now, this famous statement of Jesus, the one that we call the Great Commission, this is the last words of Jesus that Matthew records as he ascends into the heavens and he leaves his disciples to carry out his mission. Now, in this statement, Jesus establishes two ways that he, as the king of the world, is the anchor for missions. First, he says in this great commission, he starts this great commission by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I find it important that we start this, the, the fact of God's commission with verse 18, because so often we start with verse 19 as considering that to be the great commission in the command to go, therefore, and teach all nations. But the commission of Jesus Christ to his church starts with something before that. It starts with his authority. And we cannot miss the importance of this statement When we think about the ascension of Jesus, I think it's easy for us to assume that Jesus ascended into heaven and he left uh, the church, he left his disciples to figure out how best to do his work in the world. We might be in danger of thinking, of believing that Jesus has left all the works of the mission to his people. And yet that's not the case at all. Jesus did not ascend to heaven to take a break. He's not sitting in a recliner up in heaven with his feet propped up watching the uh, Fox News on a 24-hour roll. He's not up there wondering what we're doing or hoping we would do our best. 
He ascended to heaven so that he might rule. Jesus is ruling and reigning from the right hand of God the Father Almighty right now in this very moment and this very hour. Notice that he uses the word authority. Now this this is the Greek word that is used here is exousia, which means quite literally the power to rule or govern. So Jesus is claiming to be king. And notice, what is he claiming to be king of? All authority has been given to me in what? Heaven and earth. Jesus claims to be king of heaven and earth. And this statement that Jesus makes is a direct fulfillment of prophecy. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 prophesies prophesies this very moment. It says, With the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, understand that the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ is always moving forward. It is never in retreat. Chinese Christians this very day meet in secrecy to avoid the discovery of their government. When they do build churches, the government comes along and tears them down. Chinese Christians have been tortured and executed in the thousands for their faith. Yet the most authoritarian government to ever exist cannot snuff out the kingdom of God. It is believed, think about this, it is believed that there are more underground Christians in China than there are Christians in the United States of America. Our country, which we have said and believe to be founded on Christian principle, has fewer Christians in it than underground Christians, oppressed Christians in the nation of China. This should give us great hope as we watch the moral decay of our own nation. It's easy to look at the decline of our nation and to wonder and worry if God's mission is failing. But understand that while our nation fails, the church is still alive. God may very well be using the decay of our own nation to prune the branches of His church, to prove those who are really in the faith, and to spark revival and restoration. Just because a nation fails doesn't mean that God's church and God's kingdom is failing. God's kingdom is always marching on because God's purpose cannot fail. Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And there's a second way that Jesus is the anchor of missions that we see in verse 20. There Jesus says, And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. Now imagine, just a, that, 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 seem, that statement can seem strange to us, but just imagine the disciples 
They're standing on a hillside and Jesus, I think, is, is giving this commission as he is preparing to ascend into heaven. And so the last words they hear from Jesus as he is ascending into heaven is, I'm with you to the end of the age. What a strange picture, right? Jesus is going away as far as they can see, but he says, I'm still with you to the end of the age. So how could the, this promise be true if Jesus is ascending to the right hand of God the Father? Jesus is able to ascend and still be with His people through the presence of His Holy Spirit in each believer. Jesus is not absent from us as we take on His mission. It is not left up to us to come up with good arguments and attractive programs to bring people to Jesus. You know, I've, I've been a part of a lot of church ministries and been on committees and all that. And one of the things that has disappointed me, and I'm as guilty as anybody of doing it and have been guilty as of anybody is doing it in doing it is a lot of times we in church, we will think of something that we ought to do. We will plan to do it. We will execute it. And at no point during the process have we prayed one time for God to give us wisdom and direction in doing it. Now, we might pray after the fact for God to do it and to bless it, but we don't pray that it even is within God's purpose that we do it to start with. And one of the things that I've purposed in my ministry here is that we would bathe everything that we do in prayer as we prepare and plan and think to do it because it is not the program that does the work of bringing someone to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit working through His people that does that work. As we share the gospel with other people, Jesus is working through us by the power of His Spirit. Now you'll hear me say this often as I preach and I teach and, and every chance I get, that the clearest way to see God at work is by sharing the gospel with someone. When you do that, and when that person comes to faith in Christ, you get to see a miracle of God as God uses His Word to change the heart of the person who hears it. And you get to experience the power of God's Spirit as He gives you the words to say as you share that gospel message. You know when you do that, it's very clear that God is with you as you share the gospel. So next, let's consider the actions of missions from verses 19 through 20. Jesus gives us four actions that we should take, out, uh, take in carrying out the plan for missions. First, he begins this great commission by, with, uh, with one very simple word, and it's the word go. The word go that is used here means literally to travel or on one's way. And many scholars have argued, and I think they're right, that a better translation of this would be to say, as you are going. Understand that Jesus is not telling his disciples to go to one particular place. And he's not even saying that they're to go for one particular reason. Or purpose. Rather, he commands them to carry out his mission as they are going. 
Now, this is the story of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find that this very thing happens. They start in Jerusalem. We'll talk about this actually next week. They start in Jerusalem and they go into Judea and Samaria and the rest of the world. And they, go, they do that as they are going, as they're persecuted and they're pushed out from Jerusalem. They share the gospel as they go. So they simply shared the gospel in the places that they were. And as they went to new places, forced out by persecution, they shared the gospel wherever they went. And so you too should share the gospel as you go. Whether you uh, are an engineer or a janitor or a retiree or a bus driver or whatever you are, you should share the gospel as you go. The second action that we find here is the word, the phrase, make disciples. Now, this is a point that I think modern Baptists tend to miss. As A.W. Tozer once said, we are not called to make converts, but we are called to make disciples. Baptists, we love to count our conversions and we love to do that yearly report in which we've had X number of conversions and X number of baptisms. But we don't do so hot when it comes to making disciples. The plan of God's mission in this world is that we would make disciples of those who hear the gospel message, that we would disciple believers in the faith. This means that we who are established and mature believers should model the Christian faith to those who are new to it. Jesus gives us two specific ways in this command that we should do that, and which leads me to the last two actions of this commission. The third action is that we should baptize them. Now, the first act that we should do in making disciples is that we should baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Frankly, I believe this is why we as Baptists put such an emphasis on the act of baptism is because the very first thing that we are commanded to do in this great commission is to baptize people. And that baptism is not so we get to count one more member of our church, but so that they, we do two things. Number one, we bring them into the fellowship of the people of God. We are baptizing them into the church. And we are also setting the, a mark on them that sets them out apart from this world. And notice he says that we're to baptism, baptize them in a particular way. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're to baptize them into the doctrine and teaching of the church. And so that brings me to the last point or the last action that Jesus gives when he says, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Brothers and sisters, understand that at the core of the plan of missions is teaching. And this says two things to me. First of all, that we should not minimize teaching in our church. 
Now, it has become popular in our day for churches to, to sort of decentralize the teaching of the church. And, and in, in a lot of ways, that ends up meaning that the church focuses less and less on the teaching of the church. But in my mind, the importance of the mission is in the teaching ministry of this church, whether that be Sunday school or discipleship training or uh, our Sunday night program or Wednesday or, or, or Wednesday night program, whatever the opportunity is, we as a church are to set teaching as a high priority because it is part of our mission to this world. And second, there is an expectation that is implied here that new believers or all believers, I should say, will seek out teaching. Now, I give this counsel to new members whenever they come to join our church or new believers when they come to join our church. I give this direction to them that they should find at least one Bible study opportunity outside of the Sunday morning service in which they can be involved in Bible teaching. And I want to extend that to all of the members of our church. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that it is the expectation of your pastor that every single member of this church should be involved in one Bible study opportunity beyond this service whether that be Sunday school or Sunday night or Wednesday night. Pick one and go to it. But I think that it is important that we are pursuing the teaching ministry of this church as we are made into disciples by that teaching ministry. This action also means that we should care about the teaching offered in other churches around this world. There's a disturbing trend that has developed within missions over the last couple of decades. Uh, Many within the missionary movement have become so absorbed with the number of churches that are planted and the number of converts that can be won that they have lost the interest in long-term teaching and discipleship. Where in the past, you know, the traditional missionary model that you might think of is that a missionary was established in a region and he would stay in that region and ensure that schools were established and seminaries were established and teachers and pastors were trained to teach the gospel and to minister in the church. Now, missionaries are told to move on. Once a number, once the number of Christians in a region reaches 2% of the population. This is where I believe churches like ours can help. I'd love to see our church adopt another church, either in this country or in a foreign country or both, and support that church through our prayers, our money, and our ongoing and helping with the ministry at that church. I'd love to see us participate in yearly trips to that sister church uh, so that we can help with VBS or train pastors or help build a, a church building for them or whatever they might need. This is something, as I said at the beginning, earlier in the service, this is something that I hope that we as a church will join together and pray about 
over the next year or so that we will pray as to how the Lord might help us in joining with that mission effort in teaching and training pastors and teachers and building up churches around this world because we are concerned about the teaching ministry and the mission of the church in the world. So brothers and sisters, the plan that Christ has for missions is simple. It doesn't require big budgets or grand programs. It simply requires dependence on the power that Christ has already given us, the the power that Christ already has, and the faithfulness to teach what he has commanded. May we trust him as we faithfully teach our own people, and may we be faithful in being taught. May we share the gospel as we go. And may we participate in the great mission plan that God has for the world by partnering with other churches to make disciples of all nations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this calling that we have. And Lord, we know that it is an important call. It is a heavy call that we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Father, I pray that we as a church would be found faithful that we would be faithful in giving, that we would be faithful in praying, and that we would be faithful in going to support missions. Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we respond to your call. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.